The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by Mr. Mock himself, Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? I feel like I should just be making fun of you now, because I'm Mr. Mock. Yeah, we're doing the Mock Draft Series. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The entire time you should just yeah ruthlessly make fun of me. It's 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 that time of the year where we are deep into the mock draft session part of the year. Obviously, Nick doing this series, interviewing all the other people inside of this draft. Dave Swan, Pete Ball, Scott Chu, Anthony Tucker, Metzlar, many, many, many names. Uh, but today is the day we we turn the tables and we take mm-hmm. a look at the father of pitcher lists mock draft, which is always a very telling and fun thing. So we learned our lesson a long time ago that I'm going to ask various questions and you're only going to answer those questions and not do a full draft breakdown <laughs> from top to bottom. From yeah, top to what bottom. What draft was that? Was that 2020 where I screwed up so badly? I think, I think so. I, this yeah. is a gra- I'm so happy I could finally say this. I think so because I, if I recall correctly, I was in my parents' basement doing uh, yes. it. That's where, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't know that, that's a legendary episode of On the Corner where uh, we had the whole episode dedicated to me talking about my team. And I said something about all of them in like a five minute rant right at the beginning. And Fast is like, that's the entire episode, Nick. How could you do that? Yeah, that's very good. So yeah. let, let's start with, um, you know, it, it's very clear uh, amongst the industry what everyone's different draft strategies are, right? You know, we, we've heard about the pocket aces strategies, you know, people have been you know, the, the, some people take pitching early, some people take hitting early. Obviously, you have been very fond of waiting a little bit on pitching. Coming into this mock draft, were there any different ideological changes that you were going to make? Did you try a different strategy for this one? Or you kind of played it close and played it the way that you usually do with these? So this is where I'm at. This might actually be something um, where I'm being revisionist, where after talking to all these other people, smart people in this draft, that I've uh, adjusted my way of thinking, but there are a couple tenets I'm using. One is the tried and true of Nick, get all the nice floor hitters, and so I don't need to worry about hitting. The years that I don't do well in fantasy leagues is when I don't draft good hitters. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just how, it it shouldn't surprise anybody. 
that I am more skilled at finding pitchers on the waiver wire, including closers, because I just listened to Rick Graham. Um, but hitters can be harder to to track and to find for me personally on the wire. And I structure my draft so that I get I have an elite offense out of the draft. And so that's tried and true for me. Um, so I still focus on that. Then I said, okay, who? what are the positions where I'm going to struggle the most, I think, right now? Actually, this draft is so helpful because mm. it really does highlight which hitters you can get later on that you'll feel comfortable with. And I'll, I'll talk about some of those that I regret taking on my own. And I saw other uh, drafters take. I'm like, ah, oh, that was really good. Um, but for me, that's third base and second base this year. I think are the most important to get something elite out of earlier I mean, generally, my rule of thumb is infield first, outfield second, uh, because that's the easiest thing to replace. Even though it's not my strength, it is easiest to replace an outfielder in season. And then the uh, the third was that I'm going to try not to focus as much on stolen bases as I have in previous seasons. I didn't listen to that, surprisingly. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I got more stolen bases <laughs> than I've gotten in any... I mean, the first seven rounds, three of them are like excellent stolen base guys. You can't even argue four of them. And uh, whoops, but it just kind of happened. And I I just couldn't say no. I felt like some of them like, yeah, this is the best one. So I'm just going to do that. Uh, But that's generally what I was going for. And and of course, when it comes to starting pitching, I'm still going with the the three or four. I I aim to get four that I know, hey, these are on my team. And I feel I will not drop them the entire season. And I, I confidently, I mean, sure, the goal of every team you draft is that this is my team for the entire year. But realistically, I see a lot of, of players, especially in the second half of drafts, that, yeah, these guys, if it doesn't work, I'm, I'm landing them loose. I want to draft four that are my confident guys. I still feel that six through 10 is the way to go. And we'll talk about how that changed through the draft. But those are the tenants I had entering this 12-teamer Yahoo settings, two Otanis, 23 rounds, Three outfielders, no corner infield, no middle infielder, two utility, five by five head to head categories draft. Very lovely. Thank you for that that context. Super helpful there. I love that. So let's let's kick it off and start with your your first round here. You are picking out of the what is the six, seven, one, two, three, four, six. five, six. You're I, picking out of the six. Did you yes. choose that spot? I did. As the father of pitcher list, I get to choose my draft spot. <laughs> love it. I love it. I, I mean, love I love that spot. The way I see it was, especially for this one, um, I wanted to have the one that I can get a sense of the draft best. Uh, and I, I do not feel equipped to be at the turn on either side because this is really my discovery period. And I wanted to have something that's the most neutral, you can argue, um, yeah. where generally the rules for the turns are you take one that's a fall and one that's a reach. Um, that's just a general way of thinking for it. But yeah, you can really see how the draft flows if you're in the middle. And I kind of always want that, say, four years where there's a definitive top three or so. And what you're going to see um, in this one is the first two rounds are very interesting. And it's not what I want to see uh, because you guys know me. I do not take a picture in the top two rounds. I just I never do that. And everyone else didn't do that. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, there's a lot to talk about there for sure. So you, you choose to go six. I also like taking guys. I, I think that's a fun spot to go, especially because there are so many close decisions at the top. And sometimes I just want them made for me. Like I don't need to, if the if the space between some of these guys is small, the then space like whatever. Between. <laughs> so you, you go off, you start off the draft with uh, it's funny. You say I like to start with the middle infielders and I didn't really want to prioritize stolen bases. And then you get an outfielder who has a good amount of stolen bases. Now, it's it's yeah. a really it's I think it's a great pick. I mean, it's when you can be that late in the first round and still theoretically get contributions to all five categories. Uh, that's great. So you went with Kyle Tucker uh, at the six, obviously just hit 257 last year, but that's looking like it might, uh, you know, be a low for him. Uh, probably going to head north next year. There's a shot. You know, you're almost guaranteed. I don't want to say guaranteed, but you're you're definitely going to get a, a 2020 season out of him at minimum. You're going to get plenty of runs. You're going to get plenty of ribbies. Um, so it's, you know, were you just going for like, okay, this is a guy who's going to help me contribute in all five categories. And then was there anyone else that you were deliberating with? Because Mookie Betts, Alvarez, Trout, Soto, Bichette, and Witt were also all available. Yeah, I've said on the other podcast that I regret not taking Mookie Betts. I can see Betts being a top three player just because of second base eligibility. Um, mm-hmm. your 12 teamers. And... Uh, one major takeaway that I had from first pitch Arizona was the discussion with Ariel Cohen and Derek Cardi and Tristan Cockroft about floor. Um, and floor is so important when you look at drafting uh, and just consistency with that. And, uh, you know, a thought that I've been having a lot is where do you find your value in your drafts? I've said that a couple of times in these podcasts already, and I don't want it to be in the first three rounds. I want it to be six through 10 or 10 through 15, whatever. I want it to be later on. So bets is just such a nice, lovely gift. Uh, you get average, you get, you get some mm. stolen base, you get power, you get runs and RBI up the wazoo. You know, it, it's wonderful. And especially the second base position where you're going to have to settle at times with second base, um, where if you get bets then it's wonderful. And I, I went with Kyle Tucker and said, I, I, I like to think, um, you know, something that I, that Van Burnett talked about in his episode was he wants to get guys that are on the ascent mm. that are doing great and they have more, and which is, I think it's just a really good mentality to have often. Um, obviously that, that seems obvious to everybody at the same time. There are moments when you say, yeah, this is people will accept. Yeah, this is who he is and go, well, no, hold on. I think there actually is another gear and that's a really cool thing to go for where you're fine if they don't hit that gear. Right. Yeah. Um, Kyle Tucker feels like that to me. He's only 25 at the moment, which I think is really, really shocking. I mean, he'll be 26 in 2023, but there could easily be more for Kyle Tucker. He could take other steps forward while, as you mentioned, five category production, uh, well, four, and hopefully the five comes back as a 257 average. Last year was over 290 in 2021. Um, still a lot of hard contact, 20 plus. Maybe the shift does help him or the, the banning of him. I'm not going to really read too far into that. But it just felt to me like Kyle Tucker is a very safe pick that also provides that fifth category stolen bases that I hate to chase later on in draft. So I said, all right, fine. Head head also categories. I tend not to, I tend to punt more. Yeah. If it's a 67 33. That's fine with me. That is, um, that then my opponent has a two thirds chance of beaming stolen bases. Okay. I, uh, but that doesn't, you know, you don't want to get zero mm. you want to get a chance. Cause let's say a guy goes 25 stolen bases. That's one a week, right? Um, so one stolen base, it gives the opportunity for someone else to get that, right? It's not Roto League, different in Roto League. But um, 
Yeah, so I'm a cow talker. I prefer Mookie Betts. Well, it's important caveat too. You mentioned the eligibility that it, that would just be true for Yahoo because it's five games played. It wouldn't necessarily be true for ESPN, or I think it's ten. I think it might be a little bit higher. So you'll have to check all of your leagues because Mookie only started seven games at second. So you'll have to determine whether he's second base outfield eligible for you. But yeah, I I, I I'm I was surprised to hear that you say that you actually kind of would lean bets. I mean, Tucker's probably going to end the year with more of those stolen bases. I understand what you're saying too, where it's like, well, who's going to give you the highest chance? And if Mookie can just pick up one for you, it's going to be fine. But I think you can make an argument that Tucker's going to have a, a better average. I mean, Mookie's been a 260 hitter the past couple of years. Um, more power in all likelihood consistently from Tucker as well. Um, you know, they kind of switch between runs and ribbies, right? Runs is going to go to Mookie and ribbies is going to go to uh, um to Tucker, but I don't know. I kind of like the pick. Um, let's move on uh, to your second round here where you, you stuck with another 25 year old. You wanted an, another young dude uh, who were, is not going to get you stolen bases, but is going to get you a heck of a lot of power. And that's Austin Riley. What were you thinking here? Third base is, is not great to go after. Mm-hmm. And with Machado Devers, Jose Ramirez off the board, Riley is the clear next one, and I was really happy to get a third baseman that, great, set and forget, we're done. I considered Paul Goldschmidt, considered all two, but kind of thought all two would fall to the next round um, to me. But yeah, Austin Riley is kind of, this is who he is, you know, two straight years of 33 plus home runs, runs in RBI, uh, flirting with 200 <laughs> combined. Um, his, carry, his walk rate was the same. Uh, his hard contact rate actually went up to 33%. Yeah, he seems entrenched in that Atlanta lineup for a long time now. He's really good. Great. I've got another solid power bat that I feel very confident in that I'm not going to change the entire year. So Austin Riley, welcome to the club. Very nice. Um, yeah, as you said, uh, after that, we see some outfielders go off the board and then the the pitching run kind of begins. Not something that, you know, you really need to worry about. You're definitely going to zig while other people are zagging in that department because Cole goes off the board first, followed by Corbin Burns. Then in the third round, the out of the 12 picks, one, two, three, four. So eight were pitchers in the third yes. round. Eight pitchers. There was a run of four that had just happened uh, when it got to you. You broke it up. So it went McClanahan, DeGrom, Scherzer, Sandy Alcantara. And then you decide to zig. You go with the fourth first baseman off the board at this moment. And that is Matt Olson. Was that the bottom of a tier for you when it came to first base? Yeah, I've really wanted um, Goldschmidt to go here. or uh, And I saw Pete Alonso go and Freddie Freeman and Vlad Jr. in the second I was like, ah, okay, all right, I guess I'm going to, you know, these are the five for me. I think everybody is going to really agree with that. So Mm. to feel like, great, that's the second time I got the last of a tier that is Austin Riley and Matt Olson. I'm feeling pretty good about that, um, where I escaped chasing something later than I need to. Um, The other, other, uh, other mock drafters made some really good points about other options um, at first base. Uh, And I, I feel a little bit better. Um, going for, say, like Vinny Pascantino in the eighth round, as Van Burnett did. I think that's actually a really good sneaky one. If you do miss a Matt Olson, you might see him around there. Um, if you miss out on these, like, for example, if, you know, I was really tempted to go Sandy Alcantara. I mm-hmm. uh, And I, I know that sounds weird. I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to go a, a pitcher in the first three or so. But Sandy's my number three. And it does mean I can wait a little bit longer for my second starter. Um, and I didn't really know how that would shape up with hitting. 
The first 20 picks in this draft, by the way, were hitters. 21, rather. Which is not what I normally expect, and it really bothers me. Because I want the pick of the litter and everything like that. It makes an argument to say, I uh, if I'm... If essentially, if I'm like, okay, I don't want Harper or Goldschmidt in this one, then maybe I was in the exact right spot in sixth to guarantee that I would be inside the top 19 hitters because I love all the 19 hitters that went or the 18 before Riley, right? Um, but let's say it's Goldschmidt, then you want 20, whatever. I'm just trying to get a good spot of like, what are the top tier of hitters and what does that mean for the rest of my draft? So Matt Olson is outside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Alcantara was there, I would be really tempted to do that. But I got to stick to my guns, see if when I can get my last first pitcher to put a button on this rant. And yeah, Matt Olson, I mean, look, it's more amazing power. 34 home runs last year, 103 RBI, 86 runs. We know that is what he can do. He had bigger numbers in Oakland. His strikeout rate went up. His walk rate went down um, for Atlanta. The average went down 31 points. At the same time, hard contact was pretty much the same. Um, And I think we're going to see a lot of I think we're going to see some sort of rebound in that average for Matt Olson. I hope that he can cut the strikeout rate a little bit. His swing strike rate did go up over three points. And that is the most concerning element. Uh, at the same time, even with this, the runs home run RBI production is insanely good. I don't care as much about average and head-to-head. I've said this point a couple of times, but 24% of the time is what his average is, right? Uh, versus, let's say, someone that goes like 260, that's 26 across a week, Yeah, is just not really that big of a deal. Alexander Chase has a whole thing about this, and I really do agree with him about it. So I'm focusing on, I need power production of first base I never want to get rid of. Great, Matt Olson, you're in there. Sweet. Let's move on. Yeah, I mean, I will say that there's pro- if if average is not your priority there, uh, then there are guys that went in the ninth round and the tenth round who could be interesting fits for sure. your team at first base, right? Like C.J. Crone and Christian Walker Christian both outperformed. Walker, yeah. yeah, Christian Walker of course Matt does Olsen. not have the floor that Matt Wilson has. That's why it's seven round difference. Mm-hmm. I I really am focusing on. I need to know that you are going to be good. And I can leave this with an elite offense and know that the floor is intact, right? Christian Walker, yeah. I, I want to be really confident about, but yeah, we need to recognize that maybe you drop Christian Walker after he hits four home runs uh, in the first six weeks or so, right? Yeah, that I think if consistency is more your bag, CJ Crone's been you know near thirty home runs in back to back years in Colorado. Really bad, really bad on the road though, so you would have to platoon him, uh, which is fine if you want to do that, but it's something to consider. Okay, uh, let's move on to the, you know, the pitcher run continues into three. It peaks back around again at four as guys are looking to double up here so they don't have to worry about pitching for a while. You go with, I mean, you can make an argument, uh, at least by NFBC standards at the moment, this is the number one second baseman off the board behind Jose Altuve, and that's Marcus Simeon. Uh, what made you want to, you just wanted to, I imagine, put second base to rest? Did you not like the fallout afterwards or you thought he was the best on the board? So the NFBC ADP is based on draft champions, which is uh, mm-hmm. which is Roto, and it's also your draft and hold, and then you change your lineup every week, right? You don't make any waiver wire picks. So I understand Marcus Semien is up there because of his consistency. The guy has pretty much played every game uh, for ages. You know, 2018, 159 games, 162 in 2019, 53 in the 60-game season, 162, 161. So that's something hugely valuable in an NFBC draft and hold. Right. And 25 stolen bases last year, 26 home runs, 
101 warm runs, 83 RBI. I mean, that is the kind of roto play that you want. Head to head, a little different. I saw Ozzy Albies go off the board after. And I really did consider Ozzy Albies at this point, uh, who lost a lot of time due to injury. And you see the eight home runs, three stolen bases. And it's just kind of weird over 64 games on 270 appearances or played appearances. But you see his 2021. And that's kind of great. You know, you have, uh, I think, a pretty high floor of runs in RBI, especially in that lineup. Uh, I didn't also want to go three straight Atlanta hitters. Seems more boomer busts in that way, which I know is very strange. And maybe it doesn't really matter in fantasy. I'm superstitious, but really dumb about this. You know, a good hitter is a good hitter. doesn't matter how many you have in it. But it does mean for head-to-head leagues, you're going to have to fill in more spots on Mondays and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the most important thing in a head-to-head league, I'm telling you right now, is plate appearances. You have to, uh, you know, in the beginning for me, it's it's user bench spots to find start, potential starting pitchers, at least for me, because I'm trying to find that extra value later in drafts and I need to sift through stuff. Okay, that's fine. But you gain more, I believe, by getting your Mondays and your Thursdays filled in. Um, and that's a huge, huge, huge thing. Uh, for head-to-head leagues. And when you have three players that are all going to be off on that day, it's going to be harder to do that. So Marcus Semyon was the play, and I felt great. Semyon or an Albies, and then I don't want to go Jazz Chisel. Uh, I, I I think there's more risk there than I want to, uh, you know, than, than Semyon. Trevor Story is someone I'm actually kind of interested in. I think he had the, the Boston media kind of get on him, and uh, then he got injured, and it just felt like first year of a contract year, disappointment, but a lot of potential for rebound there. Uh, I was hoping he would go past the fifth round, though. I hadn't gotten my shortstop yet, and maybe I could have. Uh, I don't know if he actually still has eligibility there, but I was kind of hoping to get Story in the sixth or seventh just to see how that would go. Maybe move Semyon to shortstop. But yeah, Semyon, I think, is a very solid fourth round play um, for your second base spot, especially in a position that is very lagging. Yeah, I mean, at the at the moment, like you, you know, if we take a look back at your team right now before we move on to your next pick, you are. Definitely sitting pretty in stolen bases um, between Tucker and Simeon. That'll definitely make you competitive. It's not like overwhelming, but I think that's what you kind of want your strategy to be. You're not going to be like dominating stolen bases every week, but you're definitely going to be competitive in that category. You're certainly going to be competitive in the power category as you've got guys who theoretically have 30 home runs in their bat, like every single one of them. Uh, You're certainly going to be competitive in runs and RBIs. The only thing that's a little bit, you know, iffy at the moment, high floor, high uh, low ceiling, no, high ceiling, low floor. Big gap is average. Um, you yeah. know, if Tucker picks it up for you and, and Riley picks it up for you and Semyon picks it up, there's a good chance you could be winning each average category. But like you said, it doesn't really matter to you as much, but you're sitting pretty in the other four for certain. Now, I, I'm a little surprised that you went pitcher in the fifth because usually I feel like I wait and see you go sixth or seventh. Your, your strategy in my mind pays off here because two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 15. This is the 16th pitcher by my quick calculations off the board who still can return you certainly top 10, if not top five ability. Uh, and that's Aaron Nola. I mean, kind of shocking to me that Nola went so late considering the pitching run. I mean, you could make a good case for Nola over Rodon because of health. You could make a good case for Nola over Benoa or over Cease for sure, or over Freed or over Spencer Strider, which is kind of crazy to see him as a top 15 pitcher off the board, especially uh, with guys like who is that uh, is, yeah, with Freed, Manoa and Nola and others off the you know, still available at that moment. What were you thinking as round five came around? 
what everyone didn't see was fast uh, make it move with his finger to understand that oh yes the fourth round goes this way this way yes um, 100% yeah and and there's something I actually really do want to point out about this pick in the fifth round but I will after this break <laughs> I don't even think about it anymore just accepted defeat just accepted defeat and we're back and fast is now accepting defeat that I will always get him to the oh, ad wave break. The, wave the Go! white flag. And ever since he changed the rules, it doesn't matter. <laughs> ever since you Look, changed this was, the this rules later. This was later, okay? No, yeah, that's, uh, 23, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You had, you had right. the opportunity. It was there. There was ample. There was ample time. You're right. There was ample. I love that band. It sounds so good. Um, and then so, there was ample. <laughs> Um, Aaron Nolan in the fifth round to me is insane. Uh, for a, a guy that went, uh, had the second most innings of any pitcher last year, 205, gave you 235 strikeouts last year mm-hmm. and did so with a 325 ERA and a 0.96 whip. Sure, 11 and 13. Say what you want about that. I don't think he's going to have a losing record again next year. And that's just some bad luck, if you ask me. Um, but Aaron Nolan is great. I don't really think that we need to say much more about it. He clearly had an unfortunate season in 2021. We all knew this entering 2022 that a lot of those things should get better for him. And even in that season, it was a 113 whip and a 30% K rate and over 200 strikeouts in that bad luck season, 223 for him. So Aaron Ola is such a stable floor. And this is what I'm talking about. Like I need to make sure that floor is the number one priority in these drafts. Also, the other hitters around this time, I didn't love. I didn't mm-hmm. see a guy's, oh man, this guy has fallen so far. Adolis Garcia, Adolis Garcia, I should say, Tim Anderson, Tommy Edmond, Trevor Story, Eloy Jimenez, who I am certainly warming up to, and I really like that pick in the sixth round. Uh, Will Smith, the catcher, Nathaniel Lowe, were the next ones taken before my pick. And it was such a standard. This is, I'm giving myself a seal of approval here. Uh, for Aaron Nola in the fifth round. I would have also considered Luis Castillo also, who went two picks later. Yeah, yeah. Very similar in the sense of high strikeout profile, good a good ERA. Whip is not nearly as good as his Nola because Nola's stellar sub 4% walk rate is amazing. Yeah, if you can get Aaron Nola in the fifth round, that's incredible. I expect him to see him a ton in the fourth instead. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I got this and that allowed me to go hitter hitter in the next two picks. Yeah, I was going to say that. So I, I definitely understand the reasoning for taking Nola in the fifth. I mean, I think it's a great value there. I, the reason I guess I was shocked was because, you know, for you, in my opinion, you're always looking for a guy that you can get late who can still return SP1 quality for you, right? right. As you said, Castillo is one of those dudes. Bieber is one of those dudes. Musgrove, Gallon, Gaussman, Darvish, all of those dudes went after and could still return good first round val- or, you know, uh, 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 you know, top 10 starting pitcher value for you. But Nola in the fifth is kind of too hard to pass up. I really enjoy the pick. As much as I enjoy the Nola pick, I am curious about the Adames pick. So you're already, you're, you're doing well in the home run category. You're not doing well in the average category. Um, there are dudes going behind him, notably Dansby Swanson, who are going to be able to, in many ways, be five-tier contributor or five-tool contributors. They're definitely not going to hurt your average. They're going to get you a good amount of home runs, some stolen bases, some runs, and some ribbies. Adames, I, I dig him. I usually take him a little bit later because I love that he has a lot of pop in his bat, but the average not really there for him. Talk me through this Adames pick. Yeah, I don't know if it was the right one. Yeah, Dansby Swanson was the other one I was considering at this point. 
I also thought of maybe Wander Franco. Do I want to do that? Uh, O'Neill Cruz went in the seventh. I thought, hmm, that might have been fun if it went later on. Hmm. Essentially, I wanted to get shortstop done with. Uh, it's very important for me. I don't want to play the game of chasing an upside shortstop and then dealing with that end season. I just don't want to do that. So I, I considered my options with it. I went with Adamas because he felt pretty safe of just, hey, 30 home run pop in this bat. Uh, also somewhat young. He's going to be 27 through the full year next year. And only play, only did this in 139 games. Uh, it could have been a 100 plus run RBI season, 90 runs. Maybe something like 35 home runs if he played uh, 10, 15 more games or something like that. So I, I, I think it's pretty straightforward who he is at this point, um, especially when you consider also in 2021, that season included his time in Tampa Bay and before he really woke up as a brewer. Adamas to me is relatively safe for what he does. While Dansby, I, I don't really know if the 18 stolen bases are the major thing. It uh, was a contract year. Uh, I do listen to the Colton and the Wolf standpoint of don't get guys in, uh, after their big contracts. Um, I do have, I just I just still lean on that a little bit. I still think he's right. Um, they're right about that. So I just felt Thomas is a little bit safer. I could be very wrong. Also, I didn't know what situation Swanson will be in. It could be a bad one. Uh, he could go somewhere that just, oh, we don't really want him to be in that lineup. There's an argument to be made, hey, if he's a free agent, someone's going to spend on him. That means they're in a playoff window, which means it should be a good team. Still, just a little extra haze. I decided to go Adamas, but I'm fine with either one. If someone's saying, Nick, you're crazy, you should have gone uh, Swanson instead. Sure, you're probably right. <laughs> um, regardless, I see the sixth round as, okay, get one of Adamas or Swanson, and that's your shortstop problem if I'm not getting, say, Trey Turner or Bo Bichette uh, early, or Corey Seager earlier on. Yeah, for me, Adamas is a guy that is in, you know, like I said, I dig him. I think he's, if you have a lack of power that's still available, even though power is arguably the easiest thing to get right now, and your average is really crushing it, then go ahead and grab him. Well, uh, Swanson, we saw... We saw a drop in home runs last year and fewer 30 home run guys in a long time. And for me mm-hmm. to get uh, four, if not arguably five, uh, 30 plus home run guys next year, Semyon, we'll see. I uh, got four guys who just hit 30 home runs. That's a pretty big deal um, in my book and makes it so the head to head league that I feel confident um, with that. You know, I want to make sure that I win those three runs, home runs and RBI. Stolen mm-hmm. bases and average, I think, are more volatile than those three. So I will rely on the volatility, hopefully siding in my way a third of their time for those two and then yeah. win those three. And then cool. I will, I will do my shtick with the pitching side. Yeah, no, I hear you. There's still a good amount of, not a good amount. There's still some 30 home run hitters from last year that are available down draft. Like Eugenio Suarez has a kind of similar output. Eugenio Suarez in 13th round is a fantastic pick. Yeah, with 31 homers, and it's pretty much the exact same thing that you're getting out of Adamus. Virtually the same amount of runs and ribbies, with the same average as I well. Think it's, I think it's safer with Willie Adamus than it is Suarez, but I understand your point. And maybe, yeah, maybe that, I don't know if that is saying Suarez should go higher or if Adamus should go lower. 
Okay, let's uh, move on to your next round here. So, like you said, the Nola pick frees you up to be able to go a little bit deeper with taking uh, hitters where you would be typically taking pitchers here. You decide to shore up the uh, outfield a little bit more, returning there, taking my number one man, uh, <laughs> Starling Marte. Now, obviously, Marte... Like yeah, I love it. I was very shocked to see it. Obviously, Marte, uh, not a fantastic year last year. He's kind of hampered by injuries, the broken hand. But still, at the end of the day, hit 292, uh, you know, on pace to hit over 20 home runs with over 20 stolen bases. This is definitely going to help your, your your average category for sure and give you a good amount uh, and all the other categories as well. It's a nice uh, second outfielder here. The way I see this is... He's still a yeah, good average guy. I know he's 34. Everyone says, oh, speed dwindles uh, with with time and age. Okay, stolen bases are easier to do now um, than usual. I got a 2020 guy with a 290 average and a really good lineup and the uh, seventh round as my second outfielder. When I think outfielder is also uh, getting shallower uh, by the by the second, <laughs> I am looking for the words draining. It's dwindling. I don't know. It's shriveling. Sure. Shriveling works. Shriveling. I think that's what I was looking for. <laughs> a good old, that's, that's a sentence I'll probably say never again. Shriveling. That's what I was looking for. Uh, Starling Marte, I think, is a, is a fantastic. I, I saw him on the board. I was like, yeah, I need to take Starling Marte now, hmm. who I don't really see as too different than what he has been in previous years. It's really just the health is the question. 132 games in 2019, 120 in 2021, 118 in 2022. So how much of it are you going to get? Very valid question. But I mean, this is my second outfielder. I feel pretty cool about that. Okay. Um, you decide to, in round eight, go with another pitcher with ace upside, a full year out of him stays healthy, and that's Luis Severino. Talk me through that pick. So he just went 102 innings. Uh, did have some injury concern later on in the year. Uh, he missed about two months um, and still pitched you 100 innings, but he was fully ramped up and ready to go by the end. He had that seven inning, seven strikeout game, 94 pitches to end the season. Spore will tell you a lot that he wants to see that one game when they return, make sure that they return after the injury before next year gives you confidence that they're healthy and going to be fine, especially after the break. Uh, Look through in the playoffs. I... Uh, yeah, Severino to me is, I mean, look, the, the whole pitching landscape, as I was doing my ranks, I had, uh, you know, getting Aaron Nolan in the fifth round is a, is a showcase of how many good pitchers there are mm. and that they can all be SP1s for you in the top 25 or so. And that can stretch all the way to Glasnow who went early in this one and Christian Javier, Kling Kershaw. Uh, Blake Snell went in the seventh round that I think I, I told Van was, I think, a little bit of a stretch. Still, he pitched like the top five starter in, the, in his final two months. And Severino and Cortez are two in this round that very well could go 160 plus, if not 180. I mean, Luis Severino is going to pitch for as long as he can. They're not mm. going to say, OK, no, no, you only pitched 102 innings just next last year. We're going to slow you down. No, Severino is going to just go. And his slider was great. His fastball wasn't as good as it used to be, but still was good enough. Uh, change up. Ah. But the slider, I think, is so good. Uh, 39% CSW last year. Uh, did all the things you want it to do. I think that he does get better in his second year. I really kind of hope that cutter returns that we saw for a second. Uh, but yeah, I think Severino is more solid 
than other ones at this point. Kyle Wright, Robbie Ray went after, Tristan McKenzie, Framber Valdez. What I see from Severino is just, yeah, you plug him in every week and you feel great about it. Um, so I got my SP2 in the eighth round and I feel lovely at the moment. I got like a SP 1.5. It is nice. It's a really nice one-two punch that I think if you said, hey, I got Nola and Severino, people would be shocked to hear where you got them considering the offense that you have at the moment. You really, It's it's a nice pick. I really dig that one. Um, it's funny. I don't know if it's just a curse, but like you have these great pitching picks and then your next pick, I'm like, <laughs> okay, what's going on here? Yeah, this Cow is rally. I, hate, I, have, I hated this one. This one sucked. Okay, yeah. Can we just it's, move it's, on? Uh, sure. We well, you got to say what it I, is. What, no, well, I know. You got to break down each one. Look, yeah, he essentially was, uh, he hit the most home runs, I think, of any catcher. Um, mm-hmm. And I I saw the catching landscape and just hated it. And wanted it. I, I didn't really do my catcher assessments at the moment. So I was like, oh, no, I'm going to be stuck with a catcher that I hate or so. Like, let's get one that I feel good about. And look, Cal Rowley could be better than his uh, 211 average. Okay, he was much better later in the season. His barrel rate was 15%, but his hard contact rate was 174. That's 174th in the majors uh, at 26. That's because he strikes out 30% of the time. Um, (laughs) Hopefully that gets better. And uh, this isn't Mike Zunino 2.0. But maybe, you know, I want to buy in on a guy who's coming up, just had his lumps and everything, and he's going to be 26. Good lineup. Feels more comfortable in his second season. But yeah, I, I regret this immensely. I wish I took uh, Lance Lynn at this point instead, or George Kirby. Uh, maybe Tris McKenzie instead of Cal Rally. Um, and as far as who I would want later on, I kind of want Adley Rutschman. So I would rather go Adley Rutschman instead of Willie Adamas mm. and then get one of the two instead of Starling Marte uh, for a, a Swanson and Adamas. Sorry, Starling, but you know. And then get, yeah, you know, under you understand then Severino and then one of the pitchers. Yeah, yeah. And then instead of Logan Gilbert or something, then I would chase an outfielder, which honestly, there aren't too many good outfielders. So maybe it was okay with Stalin Marte. I don't know. I'm rambling, but not Cal Rally. Okay. I'm sorry. I messed up. It's okay. It's a, uh, we will hold you to this mock draft until the yeah. end of time. No, oh, it's Lord. all good. Um, so I usually, I feel like one of the things that we, you know, one of your big, things pieces of advice is is don't draft a toby and while i do not necessarily Mm. think that logan gilbert is a toby i'm used to seeing you go for guys who have a little bit of a higher k upside uh, as we see in some of your later picks logan gilbert uh a very good season low three era 1.18 whip is very nice but 23 percent k rate are you thinking it's going to go back in the other direction hover around 25 26 was the whip just really appealing to you what are your thoughts here yeah, so I have in my list, I have Logan Gilbert in this tier with Framber Valdez and Logan Gilbert and George Kirby and Chris Bassett. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to just say this is who he is. Uh, through the year, in season, it's harder to expect a player to improve. Um, I, I believe pitchers don't change their pitches as much. They don't uh, change their approach that often. Often they do when things are going badly, they do and they add this and they really embrace it and it's really exciting. Velocity goes up all of a sudden that things are good. Happens a lot and we can see it and we can adjust fine. But having faith that it does happen is harder than I think in the off season where they can actually say, okay, I don't need to, I can risk changing things now. The Mariners are in a, or contending. 
I'm going to not, you know, I'm not going to adjust this or change this or whatever. And I need to make sure that I'm doing exactly what I'm doing. Logan Gilbert actually still did that, though. He did change it. Uh, I believe a slider uh, as the season went on had a harder one again. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, not a hard one, a softer one than he was early on. I was calling it essentially cutter uh, for that slider early in the season. He got down to 86 instead of the 88 uh, that we saw earlier on. It did have more success. It's something to consider um, at, for Logan Gilbert. He is still tinkering. He's still trying to find this. His last three games, he totaled 17 total whiffs on sliders, which is pretty dang cool considering he, uh, he had multiple games of zero and three before that. Um, so there's still promise that looking Gilbert's going to fix what he needs to fix with the secondary pitches. The four seamer, I think is still really good. I, I see that it was only a 13% swing strike rate and had 34% hard contact, but I'm going to tell you right now, just like was, was with Tarek Skubal, if the secondaries are good, the fastball gets better. Yeah. So I, I think there is still a lot of promise with Gilbert, 185 innings, 320 ERA still collected a lot of strikeouts despite only having 23% strikeout rate, uh, 174. And I say, I want to have guys that I know I'm not going to drop. I'm not going to drop Logan Gilbert. You know, I'm not necessarily thrilled about this, but I felt that entering the next round is when, oh, wait, hold on a second. I don't know how I feel about Tony Gonsolin or Andrew Heaney. Now, I think Joe Ryan is the one that I might actually say, you know what, I want him instead of Logan Gilbert. I might be pushing him up further because the fastball was just that good. And I think the slider was better than I expected it to be. And I think there's still even another level for that slider. But uh, Logan Gilbert is a safe one. And I needed, uh, I felt like I was cashing in a safe pitcher at this point with still a lot of really fun guys to go and get. So was there any, uh, I'm just taking a quick look at your list here to see where, yeah, it's in this tier. So it's not that far, but you do have him, I think, raked over Logan. Yeah, slightly. Would if if uh, Logan Webb was available, he's taking two picks before you. Do you think you would have leaned Webb over Gilbert? Yes. Yeah, I was actually really hoping to get Logan Webb. I saw him falling. I was like, oh, I can get safe Logan Webb in the tenth round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but okay. I mean, it's, so it's, you- it's a little different. You know, the thing with Webb is like, am I hoping that this, his slider returns to the swing strike rate that it had in twenty twenty one? For Gilbert, it's like, does he have something new that he can really form into? There, mm. We see it a lot with young pitchers of they have that moment where something clicks and yeah. all of a sudden now they're an ace. And Cooking that is gas. still available for, for Logan Gilbert of that pitch changes. Just about what is the path, right? Yeah. Is it throwing harder? Is it throwing something more? Is it health? Is it opportunity? Or is it a new approach or, or a different pitch in the mix, right? That's Those are like the four ways of being successful when you haven't been previously. And so this one is a bet on, you know, he has the opportunity, he has the health, he has the velocity. It's just about fixing that slider. So hopefully Logan Gilbert can do that. We back up uh, uh, the Logan Gilbert pick with another pitcher, our our fourth off the board. This is the the end of that tier where you were like, this is where I want to be keeping this dude. Uh, And that's Pablo Lopez, who puts up uh, a career high, 180 innings this year. He did what he does, right? He fluctuates. There are times where he is putting it together and he is just absolutely cooking and looking fantastic. And then what does he do? Gives up seven earned runs to the Mets and then... 
looks fine against the Rockies and then gets shelled by the Cardinals and then a little later gets shelled by Texas and then the Mets again, it's just going to fluctuate. Then he does super well and what happens? He faces the Mets again. Maybe it's just don't start Pablo Lopez against the Mets. Uh, <laughs> but that's the bad. The good is there. there is plenty of upside when it comes to Pablo Lopez. In theory, that, that K rate could stabilize a little bit higher. I mean, the swinging strike rate indicates the fact that that K rate could actually shoot up back to around 25, 26%. You're going to keep that whip under 1.2. You know you're going to be locked in for a sub four ERAs. Uh, So yeah, I I personally like the pick. Were you just like, were there any other pitchers aside Lopez that you were like, okay, this is going to be the guy I want to lock in at number four or, and also lastly, did you slam your fist into the table when John Gray was taken before that? Gray and Jesus Lazardo. I was like, ah, man. I was really hoping to snag those guys, but no, Pablo Lopez, 375 ERA last year, as you mentioned, had 14 earned runs in two games against the Mets, uh, which is very unfortunate. Uh, and actually had three games, six earned runs, six earned runs, eight earned runs against the Mets this past year. Uh, and that's that's it. I mean, that's really his fall was were those three games. The four-seamer, believe this or not, um, I think it's vastly underrated in the bigs. Despite not necessarily, if you look at strikes strike on play, you see it kind of just being around the zone. And you would think it would get hit hard a ton. Only a 20.7% hard contact rate, which is vastly better than average. Around 30% is the league average. I've talked about other fastballs that's seeing 33% hard contact. So 207 is insanely good. And he has a 34% a CSW with a 22.6% as, uh, called strike rate on a fastball. To see that high of a called strike rate on a four-seamer and that low of a hard contact rate, I think is very rare. And that is everything at the moment for Pablo Lopez. You think, no, Nick, it's the changeup. The changeup has been an 18% swing strike rate for three straight years now. It's no longer the 23%, 21% we knew in, in 2018, 2019. It's not as elite as it used to be. Still above 40% O-swing, and its locations are always down. He does not hang this. So Pablo Lopez still has that one-two punch, but the changeup actually allowed more hard contact than fastballs, than four-seamers. On a great basis. 22% hard contact rate, right? That's surprising. Now, he he throws it slightly less than the four-seamer, and there are likely more events with the uh with the fastball uh the changeup is still actually it's it's yeah less hard contact line overall um he let eight home runs on the pitch this year uh on the changeup which is the total of 2019 2020 and 2021 combined i uh, now that said he also threw a little bit more changeups in those three seasons because he threw 180 innings amazing it's good to see that also up to his changeup use there 35 percent so I'm, I'm a fan of this because I think Pablo Lopez just had the floor year of 375. Mm. I think he's going to be a little bit higher in the strikeout rate, a little bit better on the whip. And yeah, I feel good about this. I feel like again, once again that I've gotten a guy who I'm not going to bench the entire year. 14% swing strike rate is 29th among all starting pitchers in the majors. It's still there. So I uh, I think the, the strikeout rate, despite being 60th in the majors, is going to even out with the, swi- the swing strike rate a bit. Even though it is actually, just in case you know, a guy goes fastball changeup generally is going to have a better swing strike rate than the K rate. Uh, it's hmm. just kind of how it works, um, which is annoying. That's interesting. <laughs> to say the that. least, especially if the, the four-seamer is not your big swing strike rate pitch. 11% for Pablo Lopez. Um, but that's the Pablo Lopez rant. 
And the biggest question we had entering this year was health and longevity. 180 innings. Yep. He did it. He that's, did the that's thing. That's need. Yeah. So I'm in. I'm in. If, if Pablo Lopez in the 11th round is a target, I'm going to be as my fourth starter. Beautiful. It just means that if I'm going to get Pablo Lopez, I want my SP3 to be a little bit better than SP, than Logan Gilbert. So the Cal mm. Raleigh one is still killing me. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I hear that. But your next pick moving on has has a good amount of boom or bust to it, right? Because if this next pick does hit, then you're sitting pretty. You can have a top yeah. rotation. If it turns out that he's not doing anything, uh, then it, it's it might be you're, you're fighting an uphill battle. And that's Chris Sale, who has thrown fewer than 50 innings since 2019. Um, it, it was a, a rough year for him last year, not even just recovering from Tommy John, but then all the other myriad of bizarre injuries that he had. It's not like we saw great things in 2021 that we were feeling really good. I mean, there was a really ugly whip and a lot of unsurety the first time his K rate dipped below 30% since the 2016 season. Are you, was it just, you know, with that said too, I know NFC ADP is different. It's, it's not the same format, but the NFB ADP, ADC, the NFBC ah. ADP does not reflect any of this Chris Sale stuff, which is shocking to me, considering it is kind of a draft and hold, because he's going higher than Pablo Lopez right now, and higher oh, than I would, have, I would have thought Chris Sale would be lower because he's he's almost top fifty. Top fifty, what pitcher? Actually, he is a top fifty starting pitcher off the board right now in NFPC ADP. I, I believe mean, that's kind of where he went here ish, uh, around there. But I mean, the, I again, I don't know. I, that surprises me because I would think they would want more consistency. Um, Cause we don't know like what Chris sale holds uh, yeah. in so many ways. I regret this one. I wish I got Felix, Felix, uh, Felix Bautista, your boy instead. Mm. Cause I had, didn't have a closer yet. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I got a good one in the next round, but having two yep. of them would have been much better. Um, and I might not have been able to get Clay Holmes in the next pitch if I got Batista here, but I trust Batista a little bit more. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Clay Holmes is the better. I'll talk to Rick now. <laughs> but uh, it would be nice to have gone one to uh, closer. Uh, I mean, the 12th and 13th. I don't feel like I need to chase Chris Sale at the moment. There are so many guys I want to chase um, around from, I say, rounds 14 through 18. Um, and I had to hold myself back as I went three more later on because I don't want to overwhelm with this. You know, essentially, you want like eight or so. Mm-hmm. Um, eight or nine in my view. And then you want to overdo the, again, bench early on the, on the pitchers. And then you get the hitters later uh, for more consistency through the season. But yeah, Chris sale, I think that we got to really also focus on the velocity. I don't know what it's going to be uh, for him. We want him to be hinting at the 2018 Chris sale, which was 96, 97. <laughs> yeah. I know. There's we no all way. wish we could be what we were four years no, ago. But, like but that. I understand, but that, I think that's very important to to grasp. Like what made Chris Sale mm-hmm. that name, right? Yeah. 2019, he had a 4.40 ERA and a 109 WHIP, and sure, 36% K rate, still fine. But you remember this? You remember us seeing him physically weak mm-hmm. yep. and unable to pitch? He averaged 93.5 on the heater. So then he had Tommy John. That's what do you know? Uh, and then he came back very briefly in 2021. It was a very odd season. Did not have his changeup. His velocity was 93.7 on the heater, which to me is still down. He came out for his first start of the year, 95. I was amped. All this time missed due to injury. Came back, got a liner to his finger, and was out again. 
So I don't know if we're going to see 95 miles per hour from Chris Sale. And it could very easily be 93. And I, just, I think that 93 is, ugh, gosh. The one benefit of this is I will be able to kind of know early, I think. I mean, I yeah. think anyone that's drafting Chris Sale is not going to drop drop him if he does poorly in his first two starts. I think they're going to try and shop him or something like that. And then you probably will drop him like in the middle of May. I might be a little bit more aggressive about it and, and hate myself later, especially if there are like some really good options out there and all that kind of stuff. But for me personally, I, I think everyone's like yelling right now, but like, there's no way you're dropping Chris Sale after the first start or two. I'm like, I, I know. But if there's some really terrifying signs, I, I might be stuck in purgatory for six weeks before we do. And that's something to, ugh, I hate that. Assuming, so, assuming health and assuming he is the Red Sox opening day starter. Yeah. It would be Orioles and then Pirates. Um, so that's interesting. Orioles scare me. Just kidding. Uh, yeah. But uh, they should. <laughs> maybe, maybe Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman and Anthony Santander. Santander yep. And Cedric Mullins. Yeah. And then Aaron Judge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, all right, we got to we, look at this. We're yeah, 52 I know, I know. minutes so, in. So, we're- so Chris, I'm going to say right now, Chris, I probably regret. I'd rather, I think, go for Jack Flaherty. I might even say yeah, Lucas Jeffrey Springs, um, I think, is a better pick at this point. Uh, and I, I wish, if I'm not taking a starter, it might be an, like I didn't take Cal Rowley or something. It might be now is when I get a catcher, maybe later on or a closer. I don't mm-hmm. think it's targeting Chris Sale right now in the 12th. I love what you did in the next pick with, with, with Clay Holmes. I mean, I know you said you might want to have Felix Batista there, but I think you wrapped up a, a high upside pitcher who's going to get a, you know, who's on a very good team and seems that he should probably have that job assuming health. So any additional thoughts on Holmes? I think it's a good pick. Yeah, I, I needed a closer very badly. And I was like, I am really dropping the ball on this. And mm-hmm. I felt so lucky that I found Clay Holmes. I had done no relieving stuff. I actually just talked to Greg Jewett yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Nick Pollock and friends. I look forward to that one, guys. He's great. It's a really good conversation. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, I'll listen to him and Rick Graham in season. Tell me what, tell, look to them for where you should be getting your closers. Some of the Are best we drafting them wrong fast? Yeah, always, every year, every year. Same <laughs> conversation happened at First Pitch Arizona. Every year we're drafting them wrong. No one wants yeah, to right. listen. It's unbelievable. Um, Hunter Renfro, you, you decide to fill out your, uh, your, your outfield here. Another guy, I mean, theoretically not the not the worst when it comes to average right there's a good chance he can return 30 home runs and hit 255 for you over the course of the year that's that's kind of a nice pick and like you said the that we're thinning the herd a little bit to try and find guys who have 30 home run potential uh, obviously you never know what the ball is going to be next year but in that park he's going to be able to knock a few out of the yard nice nice pick here uh obviously you don't really need to worry about stolen bases anymore especially because we, we mentioned you already got that uh not wrap up, but where you want it to be for your strategy with Tucker, Simeon, and Marte. So Runfro, he just continues that home run onslaught for you. You know, he only had 125 games last year and 29 mm-hmm. home runs. That's pretty great. Uh, yeah. I felt really happy saying, cool, this is my third outfielder. And outfield is the easiest one to fill. I still have uh, two util spots still to go. And Renfro, great. I need some pop if I feel like I find a better one. Cool. He's my Monday, Thursday sub in uh, to hopefully get some counting stats and a home run. I mean, I feel awesome about this one, especially as you mentioned, the home runs dwindling. 
All right. Um, you now a, a small little, I feel like this is where you really kind of get your hands dirty and have a lot of fun. Oh, but it's always so hard to choose. They all can go talk so quickly. It's annoying. Yeah, I don't, I was going to say we could talk about them consecutively, like as in a lump, but we shouldn't do that because I want to know the context of the we other people around We have some breaking him. news, by the way. Teller Anderson oh, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, Angels. It's the Angels, not the Dodgers. It's the Angels. And multi-year deal. It's the Angels. Oh, God. <laughs> well, there goes any interest we had in Tyler Anderson. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He went in the 20th round of this. Um multi-year deal i uh, if it's change up look you can just go cross the highway and talk to the dodgers when things aren't working out right <laughs> cross the highway i love that <laughs> we're called highways out here jeez nick oh the freeway the freeway oh my cross god the freeway. <laughs> what is the actual definition between a freeway and a highway i don't know free versus highway right but <laughs> it's interstate yeah, uh, sure. A, a freeway is a highway, but not every highway is a freeway. Interesting. A freeway is a highway. Yeah, rectangle. But not every highway square. is a freeway. Yeah, yeah, right. So I got it right. It's a highway. I'm good. I'm on. I'm on transportation freeways, trivia. Freeways are on the <laughs> are the squares to the the rectangles of the highway. Oh so what makes it a freeway Lord. then? <laughs> I'm not getting into this. We have so many other pictures to talk about. I will maybe say one last width. thing. Maybe on it's the width of the road. That's my biggest guess. Anyway, uh, Tyler Anderson, that's very interesting. I don't think that changes his draft size. Honestly, if he was a Dodger again, I think he'd go up, but he's not. So wins will go down. Uh, defense is worse. Yeah, not cool. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, I have a three-pitcher stretch here. This is where I get my hands dirty and I have fun. And I... Last year in March, I was so excited about Reed Detmers because he had his slider working in the, in the spring. And I thought, oh man, if he has that slider working, then he has the slider whiffs and he's got the curveball for strikes and he's got his really good fastball. He does elevate effectively, which might surprise people that it is an effective pitch um, despite coming at 93 miles per hour. And there is more potential than 11.5% swing strike rate it had. Not to mention, he's 23 at the moment. And I really do think there's, with more time, Detmers really turns into an absolute stud. Uh, so I wanted to go after this. When he came back, he had a slider working again after the really risky first three months. Um, came back from the minors, fixed his mechanics, had a slider again. Then he did slow down by the end, but it's there. And I think this is a kid who's going to be working on it through the offseason, um, not with the Angels. Uh, and I... If he has that slider working again, I mean, he was an absolute ace. He was a definitive top 25 pitcher uh, for those, I'd say, six weeks, two months um, in uh, July, August. So 15th round, I'm, this is where I take my chances here. And I saw the rest of them. I felt good about the Reed Detmers pick. Um, I, I, I like that. A, a lot of high, fun upside. I mean, other dudes around, like, I, I feel like, you, yeah, Morton went afterwards, but I feel like with Sale, that might have been a little too much risk with some of the olds. I do like, I'm happy that you're bringing him back up. He's a guy that you mentioned a little bit of first pitch Arizona. It's the next picked off the board for you in Kenta Maeda. That's a fun one. Again, a little bit of risk. You never know what you're going to get I in terms of I innings. Is he returning early? Okay, go uh, on. Tell, tell me about that. I, I, I think Kopech is a better one. Uh, Mackenzie Gore is a really good one. Um, we don't know what we're going to see from Kenta Maeda. He only had one season of putting it all together. Now he's coming back from Tommy John. 
Velocity is not the, the first is not the last thing to come back. It's command. And he was command focused. He really knew how to put his fastball right where he wanted to to steal strikes. He was able to get that slider and uh, splitter working a ton in 2020. Did not have in 2021. Uh, I worry that he won't have that same command and there'll be a lot of frustration, especially in Minnesota where they're not going to extend him. They're not going to push him third time through the lineup. So I'm a little worried about this. I won't feel good right away. I won't pump my fist with someone like maybe Kopech. If he's like, I'm throwing 97, 98 now. I'm good. I'm healthy. Or Mackenzie Gore in this great situation in Washington where he's just going to start all the time. That said... I think Kenta Maeda is someone you should be targeting in your drafts. I imagine the ADP is going to be like 260 or something. You know, and you're, you're in a Yahoo league, like Maeda is going to be forgotten about. Um, yeah, that's and, for sure. And I didn't need to get him in the 16th round. I have him in that tier around the 50s or so of redemption tier. I'm probably going to put him at the end of the upside tier instead. Because I prefer the pick I had next more than Kenta Maeda. So that, let's go to that next pick. One of my favorite nicknames, Ty Lord McGill. Ty Lord McGill, absolutely love it. Showcase some great stuff. And uh, this is, this is a, I don't know if it's getting into your sleepers, but it could be getting into guys that are like, might not be getting as much conversation right now that you feel probably should be, have a little bit more of a focus on. What are you thinking about Ty Lord McGill who comes in as your pitcher at number seven, I believe? He was taken from us. He was he, taken he, from us on the same day as Jesus Lazardo last year. And... Now he's got his opportunity back um, where it's Carlos Carrasco and Max Scherzer and who knows what else after. Tyler Miguel should be inside the rotation. Uh, I'm not expecting the the Mets to get DeGrom at this point, but I mean, it's like a 50-50. I do think that Tywin Walker is gone. So there easily is the spot open. Um, And uh, Chris Bassett is gone too, from my understanding. Uh, yeah, he's a free agent. So he's a free agent. There you yeah. go. Um, Tyler McGill should be in the rotation. Opening day last year was so much hype, and he's got an excellent slider and excellent fastball. If you ask me, that's all you need. He also has the changeup that does show up at time from time to time as well. But yeah, Tyler McGill is the real deal. And if he's in that rotation from the beginning once again, I think I'm going to love having him on my roster. Okay. Um, moving on then to the next round, round 18 here. You're going back to the offense, getting a little bit of a backup here uh, at first base, and that's Jared Walsh. You know, some pop in that bat, real down year for him in terms of average. But before that, he hit 277. I mean, we're talking about going from 277 in 2021 to 215 in 2022. Really just kind of dropped off offensively. Um, he also, you know, he has a thoracic outlet syndrome that he went and had some surgery for, which obviously a little bit scary for pitchers, scary for everyone, but a little bit scary for pitchers than it is for hitters. Is this just another guy that you were trying to play that pop upside? If you know me, my greatest strength is hitter sleepers Mm. in the first draft of the season. (laughs) Sure. Sure, of course. I mean, the way I see it, right? And this this is the fun to me of these mock drafts is where I start to get a sense of the other picks that people make. And I go, oh, and I talk to them like, why did you take this guy at this point? Like, what's, what's, hmm. I don't really know much about this. You know, who's this Tovar on the on, on the Rockies? I got to know about, right? Uh, why did you go after Miguel Vargas? Who's what's going on here? 
So, uh, Jared Walsh to me, I'm just like, all right, who did really well in 2021 and really poorly in 2022? That's kind of what I try and do, or who had a lot of hype entering this year and didn't live to it. Okay, I, maybe the ability's still there. Let's just see how this goes. He was injured this year. Jared Walsh seemed like a, you know, he's like a 10th rounder entering the season. as like a really good first base option. Mm-hmm. Sure, what the heck? Uh, I need to fill my util spots. Let's just chase some stuff. I expect to change these through the year. Okay. Um, Harrison Bader is up next. Was this just a large joke that you have been waiting for me to talk about <laughs> considering our playoff Harrison conversations? Bader. Bader. He, lo- he looks really good. I mean, give him a full year. Uh, Bader only had 103 games in 2021, 86 between the Cardinals and the Yankees this year. He's their starting center fielder for the Yankees. And if you want to try and find someone for runs, uh, great. He was hitting first in that lineup for the Yankees uh, in the playoffs at times. You might see that. You might see him in the top four of the lineup for the Yankees this year. That's a huge value to me. Uh, I'm not going to rule out the fact that he had 17 stolen bases in 86 games, that he had 16 home runs in 103 in 2021. Maybe Bader can go 15-15 for me here with a lot of runs um, with a good average or a a good enough average. Uh, That sounds cool to me. Uh, Why not? I'll take a chance. Yeah, because you have to figure even if they do re-sign Judge Bader, should get the nod in center over yeah. Hicks. Yeah, yeah this is uh, the part of the deal for, for the Jordan Montgomery was, yes, for the playoffs this year, but they needed a center field that they felt cool with. Um, and that's that's Bader for 2023. Let me hand the, the mic on over to you for what is really in your first in earnest kind of sleeper pick, a guy that you've been very, very excited about. We talked a little bit about him in the top 100 breakdown. And that's Dre Jameson over in Arizona. Here he is picked uh, in the 20th round. So Dre Jameson, uh, 46% hard contact on his four-seamer in those 24 innings. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's more because he didn't really strike too many out with it, just six of them, and they allowed contact with the others. Um, but still, 10% swing strike rate has throws it at 96 miles per hour. We've seen him in the spring go like 99 or 100 on it. And a slider misses bats. He had a 71% strike rate on it with a 25% swing strike rate in that, again, that small sample, just through about 100 of them. Dre Jameson's likely going to get a rotation spot for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He has a really good fastball, really good slider. I'm curious to see how this goes. His, he had intent to go inside with that sinker um, also on top of the four-seamer. I think he's really intriguing. I'm curious to see what he turns into. Uh, I'm not going to just say, oh, this is who he is after four starts. Sure. I mean, he took down the the Dodgers and the Giants twice and the, and the Padres, like... He looked really good. He was the guy to pick up in September. Um, and now with a likely rotation spot, Dre Jameson could be really fun. All right, let's get to your final couple picks here. I mean, this you decided to go back to the well for, for first baseman. So you will be coming into the season in this fake team with three first basemen, uh, but another high upside dude in Spencer Torkelson. Yeah, why not? He had a bad first year. Everyone was so hyped about Torque and it didn't go well for him. I mean, Riley Green might have been a more interesting one um, for my situation. Still, uh, Torque is, I mean, it's Torque. He was a former, I think it was the first overall pick, right, for the Tigers. So mm-hmm. what the heck? He's going to get more more at-bats this year and everything. And sure, he could come out guns a-blazing. And all I right. also wanted to hear Scott Shue curse all, from all the way in Michigan. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, next up, you, you have a guy that I'm assuming you think might be able to take over the, the yeah, no. closer role in Seattle. He's not going to. They, they confirmed okay. it after. I was like, all right, I need a last minute closer because I only have one. I have Clay yeah. Holmes. And I was trying to find something that might be really sneaky. Um, I thought Brash's stuff equates to a closer, but nah, it's not going to happen. All right, so he's your first Jose, drop. Jose Alvarado. Um, Alvarado if I really yeah. wanted to do that, but. Yeah, that was that was stupid. <laughs> you en- you you end uh, on your because uh, I, I want to make sure we get to your favorite picks and least favorite picks and other overall stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you end on a Sixto Sanchez, just another guy thinking, hey, this is either a guy that I'm going to drop in the first couple of weeks, or I can hang on to him and have a, drop, a fantastic. You know, I would drop him. A lot of times, you make these draft picks where you drop them before the season even starts, because especially in this one, imagine if I had this team, I have all you know six months or whatever. It is uh, to to until the start of the year. Yeah, I want to know what Sixto Sanchez is doing. Is he actually pitching with regularity in the spring? Is he looking good? Yeah. At this, then I just drop him. He's literally my last pick. You know, I'm not looking at anyone draft, drafted after me. Maybe Nathan Eat of all these a very interesting one. Yeah. Uh, like but regardless, I'm not feeling. Oh man, like I just wasted a pick. It's my 23rd round pick. Yeah. So I actually could have something in that and I would know before the season starts. Yeah, that's a great point. That's yeah, that's what you want to do. Um, if you draft early on. Now, if it's like two days before the season starts, you'll have the information. Sixto should we go here or not? You know, I actually would imagine Sixto, there's no draft that I can really understand Sixto going in the 23rd round in March, at the like two days before the season starts. Either sure. he's in that rotation or he's not. Or he's not. And, yeah, he's either out of the yeah. Right. So it felt right to me. I'm like, cool, 23rd round, Sixto Sanchez. We'll see. Least favorite pick of the draft? Uh, Cal Rally. Mm. Stupid. <laughs> favorite favorite pick of the draft? Uh, it might be my Aaron Nola pick. Yeah. Um, I think that was just such a clear win. Yeah. Uh, Tyler McGill is pretty fun, the 17th. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... Yeah, maybe getting torque from Chew is fun. <laughs> okay. All right. Overall draft grade. I think it did all right. Um, I think I want to give myself... A lot of people give themselves like 17s out of 23. That's what we do because one point per pick. Sure. I I know it sounds arbitrary, but it's also really fun to think of it like that. I, I think I can do better. I'm going to go 16 because I think I can do better crafting this staff. I'm happy with the Nolan Severino, but I'm not really happy with the Gilbert and Sale. Um mm. And with the Maeda one, and I like Dre Jameson, but I can see myself being too worried about the four-seamer. Um, I don't know what it is yet, essentially, and it could be limited use, and it could be something that turns into a hipster that is a headache-inducing starting pitcher that stifles the entire roster. So, or pitcher, rather, not starting pitcher, but it's, I don't know, I think I can do better seizing the SP20 to SP35 than I did in this one. And, you know, there's a there's a world where you can I can sit there and go, this is such a good offense. And I also got the later part of the SP2 crowd and feel so good about that. Mm. That's probably what I'll do in the auction drafts. But uh, yeah, I feel like I can do a little bit better. So I'm going to give myself a 16. Also, 16, I need another closer. I screwed that up. It's a C minus 16, 16 out of 23. You're a C minus. It'll be a C minus. Just letting you know. Okay, fine. I'm giving myself a B. A B. Okay. 
Yeah, okay. don't do it relative to the 23 thing. All right. Everybody's going to give themselves a nearly a 12. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Good point. Um, all right. Nick, well done on another uh, uh, mock draft podcast. That is going to do it for this episode of On the Court of the Official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys next week.